1: Hey, everybody, welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson here. Today is Wednesday, September 30th. My goodness, it's almost October. Crazy. Uh, here to uh, join me today is my good friend Chris Harris, uh, Harris from HarrisFootball.com. Uh, you can also see him on his special YouTube channel as well, the Harris Football Podcast, uh, YouTube channel, where he does a lot of good breakdowns there. Chris, what's going on? How are you doing?
2: I'm okay. I'm going to have a dissenting argument that says I can't believe it's only September 30th. <laughs> uh, it feels like, what's the month that comes after, like three months after December? It feels like it's, uh, Jutemberth yeah, 29th. I, I, it's a
1: Fair, fair rebuttal. Uh,
2: like s- s- screw, t- it's screw tember Yeah. It I feels like screw March it.
1: was like a year. And then April was like mm-hmm. another nine months. And then once sports started back up again, things went kind of quicker. Oof. And then this last month has just been for me, you know, I, I do baseball and football both that uh, it's just been
2: just this whirlwind. I've had no time at all. It's I'm trying to come up with it. It's Tremember. it's Troscromber. <laughs> it's bad is what it is. I hate whatever it is. I hate it. Fair enough. Uh, it, it, it you know, it is 2020. It has been
1: really bad. Uh, but, uh, how are you in the pr- current present moment?
2: You better. I'm. F- I'm fine. I mean, you know, it's it's fine if you never ever leave your house and <laughs> you never see humans and you never. It's okay. Like you're right. I, I do five shows a week and I do three podcasts. Uh, five pi- five podcasts, three YouTube shows. They're all different. Everything is very immersive, so it's fine. I, you're right. Also, that it's nice to have sports because. When Sunday rolls around, it does feel like there's that eight-hour window where you go, I, I didn't think about the world at all. That was great. And now I have to go back to thinking about it again, which is as it should be. We should be thinking about the world. But just the idea that you get that uh, respite to root and feel silly and feel like a kid again is nice.
1: Yes, uh, it, it really is. Uh, unfortunately, the world keeps on pulling us back in and mm-hmm. starts off with Tennessee and Pittsburgh. or Tennessee. Having a COVID outbreak, as far as we know currently, I believe it's four players and five five members of the staff that have tested positive so far. Uh, I, I don't have. I don't think we have the identity of the fourth player yet. At least as of like an hour ago, I hadn't seen it. Uh, they postponed the game, but it looks like Monday is the likely, most likely day that they're going to play it. At least a, I, from tweets I saw that said that CBS. Was, has been told to prepare for Monday. Now things can change. Another positive test or five would change that. Obviously, that uh, and that we could be in, in a, a big world of hurt there as far as that goes. How are you handling this? Like with your advice, are you telling people just to wait and see on Tennessee Pittsburgh? Uh, how do you go about ranking players for when a situation like this comes up?
2: Um, how am I handling it? I believe the word is fetal. I believe fetal position is, is how I'm handling it. Uh, like what I'm, you know, you don't have to make a decision until Sunday morning. So don't worry about it. Don't even think about it. Go, go take a walk with a mask on and, and think about something else. Uh, You know, we all prepare, hopefully prepared our leagues with extra bench spots or extra IR spots or like laxened rules you know where you're you're allowed to reserve players that in other years you weren't able to reserve just somebody who didn't play last week or or anybody who's been announced as inactive to, to create extra roster spots like i'm hopeful that most people listening have some sort of extra contingency this year and as such hopefully you've been amassing extra players as you go. And to some degree, hopefully they're not on those two teams. And frankly, we don't know for sure what's going to happen with Vikings Texans because the Vikings facility is also closed because they played the Titans last week. Right. So we could have another surprise looming. Um, I, I think f- until we get to Sunday morning, it's good to just be of the mindset that let's fill every bench and or reserve spot that we can. And then when we get to Saturday, Sunday morning, I assume the league isn't going to just leave us hanging. Hopefully they're going to tell us yay or nay. It it is going to happen on Monday or it's not going to happen on Monday or Tuesday. They were floating for a while there. Um, it, it's such a fluid situation that it almost seems ridiculous to on a Wednesday to be going, well, here's what I would do. Like, we don't know. Um, you know, if it comes down to it and there's a a preponderance of evidence that they're ready to go and they're good and, and it is going to happen on Monday night, then I probably wouldn't change the way I think about this stuff, but you know, or who I start, I would probably still use Derek Henry, but of course, you could wake up Monday morning and find out, nope, sorry, we thought we could get away with it and not. There will be some degree of added risk, and probably your lineup decision has to come down to your own tolerance for that risk. That's
1: right, and you know that that's going to be very uncomfortable. I would say one thing if first of all, if you're using someone on the Thursday night game, bless your heart. Secondly, if it happens to be Melvin Gordon, put him in your running back spot. Make sure he's not in a flex spot. Keep that as as much flexibility open as possible.
2: Yeah, that's that's wise. I mean, there's also the open question of what if they decide we need the extra day, but we are going to play it on Tuesday. It feels like most of the software that we all use to manage leagues (laughs) assigns wins and losses on Monday night slash Tuesday morning. So I'm not even sure that we know that all the sites that manage our leagues will be able to take care of a game that happens on Tuesday, whether, whether the Steelers will get credit for two games that week. I don't, I truly this is me talking out of my behind. I so much that's unknown and that's one of them. Um, and, you know, of course, like all what goes without saying is what we hope is that the people themselves are fine, that their more vulnerable. Family members don't get it, that everybody is OK. Like we're talking about stupid game. But, uh, I'll, yeah, I mean, for the purposes of just this game, trying to kind of manage with it, I, I think you're right. Like flexibility has to be the watchword. Yeah.
1: And case in point, your former employer, ESPN, their league, their app and their leagues list uh, that game as a buy. Right? Those teams as buy weeks right now. Uh, and you know, they will probably have the flexibility to kind of program around that. Uh, hopefully we'll hear communication from them. I mean,
2: they're scrambling just like we are, right? Uh, sure. They don't know anymore. Yeah. It's not like somebody's, yeah, it's not like somebody's like hiding the information. They, they legitimately don't know. It's totally unprecedented and, and we have to wait days to find out what else we find out. And you and I are not going to be the two who find it out, but someone on the ground who has hopefully a medical license, not like a a dumb guy talking a podcast license, uh, will be able to tell us what the safest thing to do is. And then we'll go from there. And until then, yeah, it's I mean, it's it's absolutely a topic worth talking about, because what flows from this is please assemble the talent that you can on your bench and and use your extra bench spots and reserve anyone else who's potentially reservable and just load up as much as you can with the best free agents you can find, it's probably going to wind up being good good policy all year.
1: I agree with that. Uh, by the way, I think you vastly underestimate the licensing process to be able to host a podcast. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> I, I'm don't unlicensed. You diminish all the training I had for this, please.
2: <laughs> I'm totally unlicensed. I'm like I'm out there in the in the gray zone, like the gray market, just <laughs> flinging out podcasts. <laughs> yes. Just like a bandit taxi cab driver. That's it, That's it. That's right. me.
1: That's me. I'm going to create a whole new service of ride sharing so I can get around having a badge and we're going to call it podcasting. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, I think these are all, you know, fantastic points and, you know, and the Titans, I mean, you know, you can only imagine like the, you know, and, and the Vikings for that matter, like how you playing with that If they, if they do play like playing with that in the back of their mind, like, am I exposed, am I ex- being exposed right now? Have I exposed the people I love you know, it's it's got to be crazy. And I, I yeah. understand why other sports have had bubbles. It, those seem to have worked. Uh, and it's been not really an option for baseball and football. Uh, and football is really difficult anyhow. I mean, there's so many players and so many other people that support the game. I think this is one of the things that we, we, it starts to come into focus a little bit is how many people are involved in making sure a football game actually happens.
2: Yeah, well, it's probably not more than you actually need, but it's a, it's an industry of great finance, financial oomph, and you have the money, so you spend it. But, right. I mean, of course, the real answer, Jeff, is that they if they wanted to pay for a bubble, if they had wanted to do it, the answer to all of your questions is money. Like, this sure. is famously, these are billionaires who act like they have no money, right? This is what they do, and... If I, I mean, I'm just editorializing, but if if I had been able to wave a magic wand, if I had a commissioner run by a sport, you know, and the commissioner wasn't who the commissioner that they have is, if he ha- if he actually was born with a spine, if he didn't eat paste on a regular basis, then uh, p- pardon me for saying that about him. On I say that a lot about him on my show. I probably shouldn't say on RotoWire show, but you know, how, uh, how do you do that to poor paste?
1: You know, what,
2: <laughs> am, what has paste ever done to you? Yeah. You know. <laughs> um. You know, I would have stood up to the owners and said, "No, I mean, I want. We want to make sure everybody's safe. It's going to inconvenience the hell out of everybody, but we're not going to have fans. Period. End of story. And we're not. And we're not going to fly. And we're going to do what the NBA and the NHL have done. We've gotten a whole month's worth of data that says it totally worked, and they had zero positive tests. And this is the way to handle it. And don't tell me about logistics because we can make anything work. We're the freaking NFL, and in the end, they they just are like, bah. I mean, money machine goes brr. <laughs> you know. That's, right.
1: that's really right. All right. Um let's get into some more mundane topics. Let's talk a little uh football news. Uh there's been some major injuries to talk about. Uh and good news too. Uh, Michael Thomas returned to practice as a limited uh, participant Wednesday. Uh that be today. Uh he suffered that high ankle sprain in week 1. Re- if he returned this week, that's still usually on the front end of when someone returns from uh, an injury of this nature. Uh I, you know, it, it's been a big difference to the Saints, though, in how they run their offense, without a doubt. For one, it's made Alvin Kamara the most uh, valuable player in fantasy football. For two, it, it's really changed the passing game for the Saints for the worse. That They just, they just don't have that flow that they've had before. Uh, this would be a big deal if he can come back. Uh, you know, what you're, how circumspect would you be about starting him? Say he had a couple limited practices this week, and then they said he was going to be able to play.
2: I could see myself doing it because I'm going to guess he was drafted as the highest receiver on my team. And I probably am not super thrilled with the other options. There are going to be teams out there that found the right guys in the early middle rounds and have enough depth to say, let's see it in action first. And I think that would be fine. Consider me among the people who are real skeptical that if it was really a high angle sprain that he's back after missing two games, I, that screams Camara to me right? Kamara came back too fast, was never right. Anybody who watched the green Bay game on Sunday night and saw what Alvin Kamara looks like when he's right. And then goes back and watches what he looked like in space last year. It's almost like it's a totally different human being. And so like my, my hope is that he just, I I have Michael Thomas on a couple of teams. I'd rather him sit two more weeks. I'd rather him they're they're fine. They'll be okay. They have a pretty good team. They're going to make the playoffs. Right. If you if you get yourself right and don't put yourself in any greater risk. And of course, me saying that is nonsense because I haven't inspected his ankle. But I'll say any injury quote unquote injury expert saying that yeah. anything anything is nonsense. None of us know. None of us knows what level of the pain this is. What level of continuing maintenance? What level of potentially injury risk? We just flat out don't know. So to some degree waxing about our opinions about how much pain he should be able to tolerate <laughs> Like we don't know. Uh, I, I would feel better not having to use him, but I'm, I'll tell you, I don't know about you, but I have a couple teams where I probably won't have a choice.
1: Yeah. I, I actually have only one league where I have them and you're right. We did go receiver heavy in that league. Uh, we went four out of the first five picks with receivers and you know, that was, it was a bold choice cotton, but you know, it, you kind of you make <laughs> that choice in the first round. The way those draft the drafts were going, and you wanted to avoid that, you know, the Todd Gurley's in the third round. Well, that's your your choice is to load up on wide receivers early, and so you, then you're kind of like hoping to play the uh, the shuttling running back game with the second spot. So, and of course, when your first running back is James Conner and he gets hurt in the first week, and you're kind of like, oh, that was a bad call. You know, it, it makes it difficult to make that decision. But yeah, uh, I. I will be starting him, too, if he does play. But, uh, yeah, I I also agree with you. I think that is the right call. I want to see him for the rest of the season. Manny Sanders, one bad game against the Raiders, pretty good game last week against the Packers. He's kind of hit or, you know, I kind of expect a little hit or miss out of him, given his age, his speed, uh, and all that. I do like him going against the Lions. I, I wonder, I think he'd almost benefit, though, from just Thomas being on the field. And, be, you know, I, I think that would, in a way, give him a little bit of better chance to kind of free himself up in coverage.
2: It's just it feels like that argument goes 50 percent one way and 50 percent the other. It's, you know, I don't think I don't think a, a great player coming back, a better player than I am typically eh, it doesn't help me. If the if the if the dude coming in, if the podcaster coming in is like way better than I am, I don't go. Whew, pressure's off. I can go do my podcast and no one will listen. Uh, that's probably not a great analogy, but uh, I, you know, I think generally speaking, it's better when you're the best receiver on your team. And I think when Michael Thomas is out, Manuel Sanders is. At week one, to be honest, I didn't think he looked slow at all. I thought he looked quick. He got tons of red zone work. He s- scored touchdown. He got two or three other end zone targets. He he looked like a scary red zone weapon. He looked like he was on the move. It's just such a small sample size to say, and that was because Michael Thomas was there. He was a great red zone weapon last year too. He's been, for a smaller guy, he's always been just very, very quick and a, a really good guy on a fade pattern. And I haven't understood at all what's gone on. And and our our measurement for what a good game is I'm with you. Like it was kind of encouraging the green Bay game and yet it was still not good because in the end you couldn't get drew Brees to really focus on anybody lining up on the outside. Um, I don't know. I mean, if Michael Thomas is back, I will have him right at the head of Emmanuel Sanders. That is, that sort of goes without saying. And then from there, it's going to be, you're going to, we're all going to need a week. With Michael Thomas, we're all going to need a week. And if he's amazing right away, we all just go phew back to wide receiver one. And if he's not, then half of us will be like, uh oh, and half of us like small sample size. Got to see it again. You know, we're just in for the thing that we're always in for. When guys return from serious injuries, which is there's not the sample sizes are all so small that you don't ever really know. I'll, I'll watch the film. You know, I watch every play like I'll watch and try to try to look and see is Camaro limping a little there. Is he is Camaro? Like that was all last year. Like, why aren't the numbers there? Maybe it's because they don't trust him when maybe, but that was a good cut, but that wasn't such a good cut. You know, you get the microscope out and I think that's where we're headed with Michael Thomas.
1: Yeah. And Julio Jones and Devontae Adams. It's been a bad week for elite wide receivers.
2: Yeah, I guess the only thing I'll say about that is a hamstring would usually tend to not be as season altering. Eh, not always, but I think on, on the spectrum of injuries, you'd rather your guy get a hamstring than a high ankle sprain.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh,
2: the downside is that they're playing on Monday night, so any uh,
1: most of our viable alternatives will be done. Uh, if we get, if we, if we decide to kind of write it out, and of course the practice reports will tell us this we're recording on a Wednesday. They don't, they don't even start practicing until Thursday. So it's really hard to get good information out. It's hard to get good information as it is, but even harder still when they don't even have practices yet.
2: Right. Yeah. I, I, so for my initial ranks, I didn't put either one in uh, with the assumption that, especially in the case of Julio, I I feel like Adams having missed a game, just this is totally nonsense. Why am I even saying this? But you know what it's like if they missed a game? Oh, they got rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> Cleared his system. Perfect. You know, at least he hasn't tried to run it in an NFL game within the last six days. And whereas Julio will have and it didn't look very good. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything. The whole thing about uh, I don't know. Does Rotowire have an injury expert? Am I going to make somebody mad?
1: Yeah, it's OK. Uh, we do have a guy, Jeff Stotts. Uh, he, he, he's good at what he does. But, you know, we're we're okay. all you know, we, we don't have their medical, the team's medical reports. So
2: yeah. 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 That's my, I mean, that's my issue. It's like, I I understand you're giving context. You're trying to look at how hard he pushed off when he did X, Y, Z. We just don't know. It's, it's, you know, category one is all the stuff that we know about category two is all the stuff that we just flat don't. And this is category two. And you're right. It's so weird and such a bummer that they both happen to be playing on Monday night. Uh, When we get to Sunday, there's going to maybe potentially have to be some scary calls coming.
1: Yeah. That's right. Uh, you know, I, I have, I don't have gauge rank. Oh, I have them all placeholders at the bottom of the position rankings. Just, just to note that, Hey, I acknowledge that they exist I this is why they're <laughs> down here. Um, and also yeah. that way I don't forget to put them back in if they do practice, at least they're already there, right. been, you know, manipulated as it is. Let's talk about some of the guys that might've been difficult to rank this week that aren't hurt. Uh, let, let's kind of steer away from injuries a little bit here. Uh, Starting at the quarterback position, I, I found a couple of guys that I wanted to talk about. Gardner Minshew looked great in weeks one and two. Not as great without DJ Chark on the Thursday night game against Miami. You know, there could be multiple reasons why. You know, without Chark, without his starting center, short week, maybe just didn't look good, period. He didn't have a whole lot of time to throw. What was your takeaway on him from that game and, and going forward for this game against Cincinnati this week?
2: I haven't changed my 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 general rank each week for Gardner Minshew. For me, it's always in the high teens. You know, just just shy of twenty. For this this week, he's eighteen. For me, uh, he's he's okay. He's 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 sort of a he's nobody's idea of a long-term starting franchise quarterback still, in my estimation. And I know Jags fans don't want to hear that. They love they love the mustache magic. They love it all. But to me, he is uh, s- sort of a weird combination of like rookie year Baker Mayfield and Chad Pennington. (laughs) He just doesn't really have the arm strength and he's, he's, you know, pretty ballsy. Like he will definitely try to throw it into some tight windows and kind of throw caution to the wind. And a lot of the times he winds up engendering so much love because he's really fun when he's on. Right. But it's a scary dude to, for me i find him a scary dude to back week in week out and i i don't know that i feel like i even feel like like oh awesome matchup i want to use gardner Minshew. i i kind of don't in a super flex i do in a super flex i think he's a really smart nice was this nice smart mid-round pick without a lot of competition with an offense that's going to be experimenting and trying to evaluate a bunch of receiver prospects and throwing a fair amount and cool all that but in a 12 team league where i'm starting one quarterback i just don't want to get clever and be like I don't really like Tom Brady. I'm going to use Gardner Minshew. I I, I don't like Drew Brees the way he looks. I'm going to use Gardner Minshew. I think you just tie yourself in knots. I think it's a much smarter idea as long as we're not in totally dead matchup land, which I don't think we are with any of those teams. Play the better player and you avoid the wreckage. I mean, Gardner Minshew had games last year where if you started him, you lost, you just, you couldn't survive because there are, it, you can only take that level of talent to my end, my mind so far.
1: I remember the London game last year where he was a runner around like crazy and, you know, it was to be sure the pass rush was really rough. The offensive line gave him no time, but he also seemed like a liability to me. You know, he'd make bad decisions was a little too brazen, you know. And yeah, it's great to me he's like, oh, oh, making plays out there, but also when you're fumbling the ball, it's not so great. And he put the ball on the ground a lot. And you looked and he didn't have that many inter- that many interceptions, but it's just he also did not handle the pressure very well at times too. And that that's the thing. Will the Bengals be able to provi- provide that pressure? Eh, maybe. We saw Carl you know, Lot, you know, they they did quite a job against the Eagles last week. But the Eagles also have this patchwork offensive line. We'll see. Uh, they might get Geno Atkins back, which would be excellent. I'd love to see that as a one of the three Bengals fans on the West Coast. But um,
2: <laughs>
1: anyhow, you were also the, one of the first to sound the alarm on Baker Mayfield last year. I, I remember specifically the YouTube video you did on him and saying like, "I don't see it. I don't see how he's getting drafted yeah. here." Uh, and it, that was you know, before even taking into account the coaching issues going on in Cleveland, before the injuries for the wide receivers, you were like, Oh, I don't see it. Where were you this year on Baker Mayfield? Where are you now?
2: I'm, I'm kind of the same. I'm just, I think what we've learned is that I never change my opinion. It doesn't matter. Like I still think Patrick Mahomes is like, eh, he's got really got to prove something to me. QB 37. Um, no, I, but I haven't within the, in the case of these two guys, like I, I haven't really changed, uh, where, where I am. Um, I think Mayfield belongs in the same neighborhood as Minshew and Tannehill and I don't know, Derek Carr, your boy Burrow, like that's, that feels like a little, a little ghetto to me. That feels like a little area where stuff can obviously go right. And game flow against the Cowboys this week could a hundred percent make it a 45 to 40 game. And you feel so dumb that you didn't use them and how you should have known you should have known. But the fact is that I often, the way I usually think about all this stuff is I I'm trying to maximize expected value and if the player himself is capable of really scary lows, that has to be factored in. Even if it didn't happen, it could have if the, if a turnover had happened differently, if the game flow had been different, all that stuff. So where I am on Mayfield is I I was pretty bullish on him on his rookie year. Although not like the market got, like you said, you just saw so many mistakes, but at least he was pretty aggressive. And then last year he really curled into a ball and, and, had a hard time taking shots and hard time pulling the trigger and didn't seem to see it and that's kind of where I am with him now that uh, he's in some weird middle ground where he has quite a bit to prove in terms of uh, taking advantage of of good weaponry and and just it feels like he's not seeing it fast enough to me T- he can certainly be a a, g- a good like league league average okay type type level of quarterback but if 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 now we have the impression that the browns have become really, really run heavy. I don't think that's happenstance. I don't think re-signing Kareem Hunt is happenstance. I think there's some rethinking that says, hmm, huh, maybe we don't have the next guy. Maybe we have someone who's okay, but we're going to have to protect him a little bit.
1: Yeah. Uh, That that strikes me as being correct. Uh, I I, want to be able to I kind of had a high ranking on him this week in particular because of the matchup against the Cowboys, the game flow, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. injuries to the Cowboys, secondary, just, you know, reflection of recent results. But I could see this going sideways, too, for him. I, 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 yeah, it's not hard to, to factor that into the, to the equation as well. By the way, a quick note on Kareem Hunt. Uh he does have a groin injury that they're dealing with, right? He's dealing with right now and we'll get more information later, uh, later in the week, but he might be compromised or you know, not play at all perhaps, but something to watch for there uh, as we're talking injuries. Another team that uh, has had to deal with a lot of injuries is the San Francisco 49ers. And we've seen next man up step up for them, but it's also been against New York teams. And now they now they're, they're coming back home. Uh they're getting off that MetLife turf. They're going to play at home against the Eagles. For all the the offensive woes the Eagles have, their defense still, you know, it's pretty good. It eight sacks last week. Now it's easy to pass rush against Swiss cheese, I suppose. Uh, but so bitter. Yeah, I know. It's but it's so true. It's you know. Hey, we got our problems figured out. Oh, we we don't. <laughs> what happened? Mixon was running so well at the end of the year last year. Ah, uh, so frustrating. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's the first half of 2019 all over again. Missed tackles and yeah. bad blocking. Eh, it's a nice combination. But uh, I, I think Burrow looks the part. I've been impressed with him. Uh, I think he's going to make some bad decisions here and there, especially because he's being put to the test quite a bit. A lot of people have made the comparison to Andrew Luck. You know, Great talent, horrible offensive line. Hopefully he can last long enough until they do improve that offensive line, if they do. Uh, we're not there yet, though.
2: Yeah. Bur- Burrow's been, I mean, Burrow's been okay. He's limited by situation. He, he himself has a ways to go. He, the thing that he does great, the, th- the thing that, uh, if you just want to talk about Burrow for a second, I well, from what I've think I've seen, but you, you're obviously seeing every snap as well. The thing I think he does great is that, is that really sort of inherent throw that is that just some guys never get that, that prototypical throw that goes over the linebackers, but in front of the defensive backs, you have to have an, a really good arm to do it because it has to be on a rope, but you also have to have excellent touch. I mean, Mitch Trubisky can't make that throw. He just can't make himself do it, you know? And, and that, if that's one of the hardest things that a quarterback has to do mechanically, Burrow came into the league being able to do it. We saw it LSU all the time too. I love that about him he, he's had some pretty rough decision even in times when he've had, he's had time. He's had some not only just kind of don't throw it to that guy, but also like, I'm going to quickly lateral it to that person. Wah! You know, just hair on fire a little too much. But it's the kind of thing that, great, all that means is that we don't worry too much about him for fantasy as a rookie and we just, as it goes along, those things probably get taken care of.
0: Yeah,
1: and Burrow in the second half of the season will probably be a lot smoother. And then – and and keep in mind, we always talked about, you know, rookies tend to struggle with the speed of the NFL and rookie quarterbacks in particular. And that's only magnified when you don't have some, you know, mini camp, you don't have OTAs, all that, you know, all that matters. No preseason for that matter was a thing. I think it was, it was important.
2: Yeah, I, I'll say if I, if, you told, if, if I was a space alien who was jump, jumping down, I was really interested in football, though, and coming down, and you just told me, watch this guy, his name's Joe Burrow, and, and watch this guy, his name's Justin Herbert, who would I say was better after just a couple of games? I'd probably say Justin Herbert, but hopefully, hopefully for your sake, that I will change my tune soon. How surprising is it that Herbert was so good, given the reports that we heard? Like, oh, yeah. he's really slow Real to surprising. pick up the
1: offense, probably won't play much this year. Oh, here you yeah. go, kid. You're Real.
2: In. Not only that, but like every, I don't, I'm not really an NFL draft expert. I'll watch some college and I'll watch the film, but I'm, I just don't feel like, I don't see every game. I don't have the full context. A lot of times everybody looks great because they're playing against non-professional future college players, you know, right. but just everybody I talked to was really down on Herbert, hated the pick. And uh, it's pretty surprising. It's it's only a couple of games, but it it actually it's been. I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, me too. Uh, I I definitely was surprised, especially
1: <laughs> the Chiefs' defense that looked so good on Monday night against the Ravens uh, and Lamar Lamar Jackson. You may have heard of him. You know, he they looked that that vulnerable against Herbert and the Chargers. That was the funny thing.
2: Yeah, but. indeed. All right, I sidetracked us entirely. Did you want to talk about Luke McKinnon and? Jeff Wilson oh, and those yeah, guys. yeah,
1: that's right. We did we did start off on that path. Yeah, uh, let's let's just talk I've about told. that. Yeah. So McKinnon's dealing with a little bit of a nagging injury. Wilson looked great. Uh, they may or may not get Mostert back this week. I know they were saying you know the report earlier was he was going to get evaluated today. Uh, I, I don't think I've seen the latest on him just yet. Oh wait, not ready to practice yet. Yeah, So, uh, I mean, it, it, it might be. It, it sounds to me like another situation like, hey, just take another week off, get fully healthy. I know he, he, you know, he's got his contract now. He doesn't have, you know, he, he's covered there a little bit. You don't have to fight every inch and claw an inch for your job as much, you know, take the full week to recover. would be my advice.
2: Yeah. So I didn't rank him for the purposes of primary ranks. Um, and, and McKinnon's injury, he was able to get through the game. So, I, for, until I'm told otherwise, I did rank him and Wilson's numbers probably look better than, I mean, I was He was the garbage time guy, and that one long receiving play that game was so long since over that I don't know. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not worked up about – Jeff I mean, Jeff Wilson also deserves to be ranked. But if I was picking between the two, I think even in the standard league, until I hear that McKinnon is out, I would I would pick McKinnon. Um, but you started off the conversation by saying the Eagles are a harder matchup than the Giants or the Jets, and that's, of course, true. And not knowing how it works out and not knowing – I mean, I think at this point, high-angle sprain-wise, we're not expecting Garoppolo. So – relatively close to the chest kind of maybe not I, I don't know I have McKinnon like 30 in standard and Jeff Wilson 38 for for preliminary like I'm 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 flexible and McKinnon can go a little bit higher in PPR and Wilson probably despite the big receiving play he probably doesn't
1: yeah I'd say that's right uh I have a little higher uh, on both actually and I'm now having second thoughts about
2: that but uh I'm- well no I mean I, I, I like you know if you're comparing to Carlos Hyde if Chris Carson doesn't play I don't know if you're compared to Adrian Peterson I, I don't yeah. know Ronald Jones I don't know and to, you could easily convince me I'm five spots too low on Jared McKinnon absolutely
1: sure and I've got like him at like 24 and and that is PPR uh, and that mess like you mentioned Ronald Jones Leonard Fournette you know I'm talking about oh I think we've got it solved it looks like Fournette's gonna take over or
2: maybe mm. not <laughs> I hope you didn't say that last week yeah. <laughs> because again, I just don't think it's, I, I don't think first of all that Tampa particularly is invested in either guy. I think they just are like, Oh, do we really Oh, okay. One of you can get in. You know, I, I don't think they're in love. And, and then I also think they probably shouldn't be, they've probably made a wise call in reserving their amorous feelings. Uh, I, John Jones is better than Fournette, but he's not that much better. And, and it's likely to be somewhat split. Uh, yeah. And frankly, the fact that we can't use LaShawn McCoy in any sort of league, but he plays a lot. Right. He's out there. Multi- double digit snaps every game because he's basically the third down back and they don't throw it to him that much. But he's there. So so much for which of Fournette or Jones, they trust in his pass past protection. It's pretty much McCoy. Uh, so if you're if you're telling me right now that you that you have McKinnon ahead of both Tampa running backs, I I go. Well, of course, I totally understand why that would be the case.
1: Yeah, I'm a little you know, and honestly, it's kind of funny. Uh, And McCoy's there just to frustrate us. But I remember last year McCoy whiffing on blocks on multiple occasions and losing snaps because of that in KC. And now he's the he's the guy they trust in pass pro. That strange world we're in, but uh, he he is the veteran. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. And Tampa as a whole is just you know Godwin's out. Scotty Miller is banged up, but looks like he'll play. Watson was out. Mike Evans is running two-yard routes. I, you know, they're, they're a hard team to kind of handicap right now. One week, Arian says that uh, tight ends aren't, are, we have, you know, aren't meant to catch passes in his offense. Then Gronk gets 11 targets.
2: Okay. okay. <laughs> You'll just be so much happier in life, everybody listening, if you just don't pay attention to what coaches say. Yes. It's just so much the air smells sweeter. Yes,
1: and he's in
2: particular a, diff, a guy that is, good, is a good one to ignore, I think. You've come on my show and you've said that he's a liar. I believe that's the term you've used on my show. He's be. a liar. <laughs> it might be that way. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I've been I've been hurt before, Chris. I've been hurt. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, let's look at a couple other guys here. James Robinson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He he he's not going to have the greatest measurables. He's not the fastest guy in the world. He's not. Yeah. You know, he, but he does not He's not going to jump off the page. But then you look and watch him play and he just plays good football. I, I don't I don't know if he's always going to yeah. be as capable. Maybe it's a, an opponent based thing, but I like him this week. I
2: like like him and I like his opponent. <laughs> You're so biased. Uh, yeah. I agree I'm, with I'm you. A I have
1: Bengals fan. It's true.
2: That's right. I have uh Robinson ranked 13th among running backs mm-hmm. in standard and there's, and you, he usually wouldn't, I mean, I'm 15th in PPR, but he, he usually you'd think of a player who looks like him, uh, just, you know, th- thicker, stockier, not, Necessarily you wouldn't go, oh, pass receiver, but he's caught some of the Leonard Fournette work. That offense just apparently wants to throw to non-receiving backs because that's what they do, little check down things to save Minshew, I guess. I'm with you. I I watch James Robinson play, and I'm like, yeah, that's like Chris Carson, who's like gone through the laundry too many times, slightly faded Chris Carson. Yeah. He's not quite as fast, but Chris Carson already is a little bit speed-challenged. But it's that it's that. No respect for one's body, crush, try, trying to kill everybody, find a hole, hit it really hard. You know, I might have one hip move once I get into the run that hopefully shakes one person off, and then and then woe betide anybody else who's in my way. I'm gonna take real big punishment. It it doesn't feel like a path to a long career, but it feels like it works. And I don't you know, I don't hate it, especially in a world of so much confusion in so many other depth charts, and then some some players who find themselves with third string quarterbacks or find themselves like Joe Mixon does, you know, really lost behind the offensive line. Uh, I I can see Robinson using Robinson over a lot of them. Yeah.
1: I've got, I've got them relatively high this week, uh, around like seven to 10. I keep on flip flopping a few guys here and there, but, uh, and then the other guy I wanted to talk about was Darrell Henderson, finally getting a chance after you know a lot of false starts last year and in training camp this year. He's had two good weeks in a row. Yeah, you know, it start, even it started in the first half of the Philly game where he started looking. Uh, you know, he was starting to get the usage and he was the, he was the closer in that game as well. And then last week against Buffalo looked really good. And the thing I like is they like him around the goal line too.
2: Well, I mean, they liked him in that one, you know, I, I'm, I'm very pro Daryl Henderson. I, I, he was a flag player of mine this summer. I'm extremely pro. I don't want to, I don't want to say, and that was the day I was positive that Daryl Henderson would always be the option near the goal line. That one series, he had done a lot of the work and they gave it to him three straight times and he just got stuffed twice. And then, and then he got in and I'm, I'm was super in favor of that, but Malcolm Brown is there and who knows if maybe that was a one week, let's keep Malcolm's hand out of you know, dog piles for one week. And but if I, if you're asking me like which guy, if I'm going to have Mark and Brown on the roster, then I'm probably going to use him in short yardage. It's sort of what he's good at. For sure. So I, I'm not positive. He's like the touchdown maker or anything like that. And also as of our recording this, unless you know something different, I don't know anything about cam Akers definitively. I've assumed for my ranks that he's not playing, but I don't think we know for sure. Right.
1: Yeah. I think I saw a note that said that he is improving, but not yet ready to practice today. So okay. I, I wouldn't count on yeah. him this week. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that seems right. And that's the beauty of like them having three running backs. Also, is they, the other two are healthy. Take your time, get them, get them fully healthy. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I rated. They um, uh, spent an early draft pick on him when they spent that same early draft pick last year on Henderson. But you know, redundancy is useful.
2: Yeah, I ranked Henderson with no uh, Cam Akers. I ranked him 24th in standard, uh, standard and 22nd in PPR. And Malcolm Brown needs to figure. Malcolm Brown's in there. I'm like 35, something like that. I, mm-hmm. I don't think we've now suddenly heard the last of Malcolm Brown. But yeah, I was very bullish on where you could get. I, I wouldn't want to say I was positive Daryl Henderson could play this summer because I'd never seen him play in the NFL. He didn't get to play last year and not through any fault of him being injured. He just, you know, couldn't, couldn't make anybody trust him for whatever reason. Um, and so all all I liked was the idea that everybody decided Cam Akers was great and I was getting Daryl Henderson in double digit rounds. I was willing to snap him up everywhere. So in fact, I have him on well more than half of my teams and feel as though he's creating havoc among roster decisions, lineup decisions, but that's a nice havoc to have, especially like we talked about off the open where there's potential for games to get canceled. Uh, the Ram offensive line did an unbelievable job against a very good Buffalo defense, pushed him around, gave Henderson creases constantly. So I, I I wouldn't want to say he proved that he can create on his own. He didn't really do a ton of that against Buffalo and again i'm giving a, i'm giving him rave reviews so but i'm just saying he didn't really have to they there were there were pretty big holes even during a comeback there were there were pretty big holes to run through but henderson hit him real hard he obviously can get going on a dot. Di- just like boom he's accelerated to full acceleration. like takes three steps and he's fast as he gets and we know he's got great lateral quickness he catches it pretty well is he ever devonte freeman is he ever like with the small back who who can somehow, I mean, Aaron Jones, you know, the, I think he would aspire to be Aaron Jones. I mean, Devin Singletary's in that, that group, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's in that group. Can uh, Henderson be a member of that group where you go, is, I to squint. Is he a full-time guy? Do we need to protect him a little bit with someone else? For me, he's somewhere on, on the borderline of that for what we've learned about him so far, but that's awesome because that's way more than we thought of him a month ago.
1: That's right. That's absolutely right. And uh, I, 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 it's kind of, I'm kind of finding myself Gravitating towards that sort of like type of running back, whether it's Henderson, uh, you mentioned uh, Singletary, uh, that sort of build, the low to the ground sort of guy uh, that always seems to have his momentum going forward. All, you know, It seems like he can catch passes pretty well. Uh, not always the greatest physical specimen guys, but they always they, they make their cuts better. I don't know. I, I'm
2: fine. I'm I'm almost looking for that now. James Robinson might also fit in that sort of build. I think he's bigger though. He's 220 pounds or something. These other these other guys are 203. You know, he's he's more of a banger and doesn't have anything like the lateral agility that most of those dudes have. You know, the the, the spectrum goes from. I mean, Christian McCaffrey is at the top of that spectrum, right? He just is otherworldly in terms of vision and lateral agility and acceleration. Nobody nobody we've talked about can touch him in those areas, uh, but the Christian McCaffrey worry came true. It wasn't, you know, the worry is that if you're going to use a player that size with the full playbook where you're not only putting him on the perimeter or mostly putting him on the perimeter, if you're putting him in harm's way with a car crash 30 times a game, I'm sorry. The truth is that, that, you know, Zeke Elliott has a better chance of withstanding that. Now, Saquon Barkley also looks like Zeke Elliott and didn't withstand it either of the last two years. So I, this is not a perfect system, but that's the concern with, for example, paying Aaron Jones his next contract, which is coming up, right? There's there's a real question. Like, are, do these guys burn out bright for a few years and then they turn into Vate Freeman later in their career and you've already paid them? There There, there is that worry. And, and frankly, if I'm building a team, I'm kind of with you, which is to say, cool, great. If I could find Nick Chubb, I would be psyched. I would just have Nick Chubb and he'd be my guy. But if I can't, I can find a fair number of very talented players who look like all the guys you just mentioned, the Aaron Joneses, Daryl Henderson's Jared McKinnon. You know, I don't think he ever shouldn't been gifted that contract, but he's, he's this kind of player too. Uh, cool because there aren't too many NFL teams that want to, that, that feel the need to make one guy be their guy. And so if, if I can have Daryl Henderson or Edward Solera or whoever, and just have someone else also so that I'm not, you know, so that I'm narrowing the possibility of injury just a little bit. Uh, I'm with you. That seems like a smart way to build. Right. Uh, Before we move on to
1: our wide receivers, a quick note from our friends at prediction strike prediction strike is a fantasy sports stock market on which you can buy and sell shares of professional athletes as if they were stocks ever heard someone say I've had stock in this player since day one. Well, now prediction strike makes that a real possibility. You had stock in Patrick Mahomes in his rookie year. You knew this would happen. Now it's a reality. Create a portfolio of all your favorite athletes and get closer to the game than ever before. To get started, simply visit predictionstrike.com to create an account. Then deposit funds to buy, sell, and hold shares of your favorite players just like you would real stocks. Each game is like an earnings report. If the player beats his projections, his stock moves up. It's that easy. You can trade your shares of players at any time as long as the player isn't currently in a game. Get started today by visiting PredictionStrike.com and sign up with code ROTOWIRE to get an additional $10 with your first deposit of $20 or more. I'm Jeff Erickson here. Today is September 30th. I am here with my friend Chris Harris. Uh, when we're not uh, playing poker, we're ranking players. We're talking about ranking players, so, uh, Or golfing every once in a while. We need to get back out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So After the football season's over, we'll be able to work a Friday morning out pretty well, I'm sure. Awesome. Yes. Hold on to that dream. Uh, Julian Edelman. Last week, yeah, two weeks ago, he set a career high in receiving yards. Last week was a, okay, we're just going to run the ball a zillion times. Just rest up, Julian. We'll need you later in the season sort of type of week. What's it going to be this week against Kansas City?
2: Well, the immediate feeling is you better score points, and so you probably can't just run. But if you can, that would be a good idea too because right. it's nice to keep the ball out of Kansas City's hands. But uh, for myself – I'm probably just going to use him in, in. I view him as a borderline top twenty-ish type receiver, and you know, I I think I probably just am going to use him every week. What 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 the Seattle game to me proved was Cam Newton is a. If he's not an improved thrower, he's at, the surgically repaired shoulder at least is the same. And frankly, I'm just going to go ahead and say I thought he, I thought the way he threw the game in Seattle in week two and this is a stupid statement because I don't remember every game that the Newtons ever played, but it's one of the best things I can ever remember Newton submitting with, as far as throwing the ball goes, just tight windows, laser type throws, Brady esque type throws. And they haven't really asked him to do that in weeks one or three. Um, yeah I, I I'm not smart enough to know how games are going to go. I think the Patriots probably need points in this game. That's usually what happens with the Chiefs. And if you need points, Edelman figures to be a significant part of the game plan. even receivers this is what the this is what the league is now. even receivers who should by theory be the number one target in a passing offense every single week. sometimes they st- they'll give you two for twenty three like it just happens. Uh, so I, I would be running them back out there,
1: yeah, I would too. Uh- they get James White back this week. He reported back to the team after uh, missing the last couple weeks because of the personal tragedy, uh, losing his father like that. It was brutal. Uh, but, uh, you know, there, there's an on-field consequence to that is Rex Burkhead, who was very active last week, won people leagues, if you actually had the foresight to start him. I know someone did because they started him against me. That was fun. Oh. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going – oh, they used Rex Burkhead? That's, that's – great. Awesome. Oh, you know, you know, cause I don't look until like that night and I see who, yeah. I, they're, you know, how I'm doing and all that. I'm just <laughs> watching the games. And next thing you know, like, Oh, I had, I had a good day. Guess I didn't.
2: That's <laughs> uh, the worst. Why do we do this?
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but you know, you know, James White, he's going to catch passes. That's one thing he will do. Uh, he, he will be a guy that's involved in that. Nikhil Harry actually showed me something in that Seattle game too. Uh he got a lot of targets and he was tough over the middle. I remember the play where uh, Quandre Diggs got ejected, hit, you know, with the helmet the helmet hit. I that that that's a first of all, hard enough to hold on to the ball in that, and let alone stay in the game after that. You don't want to glorify toughness over everything else, but at the same time, boy, that was tough. I was like, wow, how did he even stay in that game? Sure. That?
2: Sure. I mean, uh, and so if you're going to tell me that what Nikhil Harry is going to turn out to be is like possession receiver, tough dude. If you throw it to him, he'll get it and he'll take a hit. He's Muhammad Sanu. I'm like, oh, all right. That's awesome. Then why did you spend a first round pick on him again? I, you know, as a Patriots fan, it galls me that it galled me in the moment when they took him and it galls me now that they took him, him and Sonny Michelle, frankly, uh, neither, neither would have been my choice. Nick Chubb went several picks after Tony Michelle and that was not my best day. Um, so, so we are where we are with, with, uh, with Harry and he, he's right on the borderline of my top 50 receivers for the week. He he's, that's probably where he lives most of the time. Um, you know, the, 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 problem that i wind up with is that you get just too much demir bird you get too much wh- whoever right. in that passing offense and that's the way it's been for just years and years and years they haven't found anyone else they really trust and i don't feel like we've established that they really trust harry quite yet he probably has the best line on it um edelman's the obviously the, is the one rock and then everyone else it feels like it's like a rotating cast
1: yeah i'd say that's right uh you know just like just like the running backs the receiving core is also that way too uh, so, yeah, yeah I, I've been pretty – yeah, I, I haven't ha- – like he's one of, he's like going to be a bi-week guy for me, I think. You know, bi-week flex play, basically. I mean it, it's a very thin okay. read to grasp, but he, he's well. – I'm still grasping. Also, though
2: – right, sure, but also, though, uh, all we're talking about is what we've seen through three weeks. It's And he's really never played before. He was hurt for the first half of last year, and he, he was in Brady's doghouse deep in the doghouse by the end of last year. So – I could see stuff for the next few weeks and make, that makes me go, okay, well the pedigree made, makes more sense. Now the, the, the draft position makes more sense. Now I now think of him differently. He's, I mean, hell we, we reevaluated Devonte Parker last year, <laughs> you know, after year after year of being disappointing and what, what were the dolphins doing? This is a disaster. Like Nikhil Harry has earned a few more weeks.
1: Yeah, for sure. Last week was the Justin Jefferson week. Big breakout for him against the Tennessee Titans. You know, after, you know, the week before, I think it was four for 40. You know, they started to kind of work him in. It it was like the tiny glint of positivity and an otherwise dreary day for the Vikings against the Colts. But last week, he really stood out. What do you do with him going forward?
2: Yeah, he was my number one waiver ad for the week. Um 172 yards receiving, I think it was. It'll, you know, probably never happen again, or, or probably won't happen this year. But it, it's interesting having. And I didn't watch that game live. I, I really had no concept of it. The Vikings Titans game, and then watched the film. And even when they were introducing the starting lineups, the announcers. I can't forget. I forget who the announcers were in that game, but they both. They had a conversation that said, uh, Gary Kubiak told us that Justin Jefferson's really working his way into the things he's really, you know, that vague things where you can tell they've been told something and they don't quite want to say exactly what it was. But right. given how it worked out, it makes me think what they were told was watch out. We're, we're going to set this guy free. And it was mostly possession stuff. I actually did. I broke him down on our YouTube channel. Um, so it was a lot of stuff where you, it's outbreaking routes where there's some technical ability to it, uh, a little bit against zone where you don't have you just have to be a body, but a little bit against man where you just got to make sure nobody undercuts the route. Like it was mostly that stuff, but then they started going down. He ran a out of the slot. He ran a deep over route from the left side, left slot to the right deep against single high safety. And it's the kind of route that if the receiver runs it right and the quarterback is any amount of time, that he's potentially going to take a huge shot from that center field safety. Uh, but he's going to probably be open to take that shot. And he did. And not only did he not take the shot, but he sort of avoided it entirely. And that was his long touchdown. You can see good things coming. I I really liked him as a prospect. So maybe it's somewhat confirmation bias. What do I know? I don't really know that much about college football other than I watched a bunch of LSU games. Uh, it it strikes me that it's a good thing for Adam Thielen. it's a good thing for Kirk cousins. It's just good when your offense is better. And Jeff, I think Jefferson gives them a chance to be better. I'm not rushing out and saying he's like a borderline wide receiver three for me in a giant sea of about 40 wide receiver threes. But, um, if you've been struggling, if you're like, I'd rather not, messing around with Sammy Watkins anymore. Like, please don't make me start Deshaun Jackson. You know, I could use Justin Jefferson this week.
1: Right. I like that. I like that. I have Thielen at 22, Jefferson at 32, uh, in PPR at least. Uh, So, yeah, that kind of fits the mold on that. I might be a little low on the Thielen side of things, uh, but that's also, you know, uh, there's some others that I kind of like a little bit more. Like, I, I, Mm -hmm. I, I, I really big on... Diggs bouncing back this week had two touchdowns and like called back uh, uh, due to penalties a couple times. We saw that a little bit with Diggs. He seems to run
2: into that sort of bad touchdown luck sometimes. Yeah, fortunately, he's scored the one eventually. He eventually, different, different possession, but he eventually got in, so yeah. he paid off. But I, I'm with you. I have digs ahead of Thielen, too. Every time I rank them, I'm always like, oh, I bet they hate each other in my ranks. They're always fighting to <laughs> see who's higher. <laughs> I've, uh,
1: I, I'm in a fantasy golf league, and somehow I picture it there. Like, the, like if they're ever playing partners, like, okay, at least – you know, if I don't win, at least my team does. Like, no, it, that's not <laughs> happening. Stop imagining that. You know, it just doesn't happen. Uh, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's get into these weird constructs a little bit here. Uh, Terry McLaurin's a tough guy this week because mm-hmm. probably draws Humphrey. Uh, probably, you know, I, I, you know I think football team is going to struggle this week. I think, you know, Baltimore got exposed on Monday night, but I also don't think Haskins and crew is capable of doing said exposure.
2: I mean, if there's, if we're taking votes on who's the worst quarterback in the league after three weeks, I mean, Sam Darnold is standing over there and he's begging for your vote. He's, he's, his spleen is screaming, but I actually think it's Haskins. He's been so bad. It's so alarming. Once again, I mean, you know, Josh Allen through two years, we were ready to write him off entirely, and through three games, he looks like a completely different player. So you never say never. Right. But my God, right now, Dwayne Haskins is so bad, is yeah. so d- doesn't seem to know where the ball's going half the time. He overthrows everything. He like it's fine if you're Mahomes and you don't set your feet because just everything works so perfectly. But my God, dude, set your feet. Stride into your throw. Can't you do that sometimes? It's it, I would be really concerned if I were a Washington fan, and that is the for me even more so than a matchup because receivers. I mean, you could easily just tell me, well, they're going to be losing by 40 points, so there's so much garbage time the receiver is going to make plays. I hear that logic all the time, which I don't buy into, hmm. but I, I'll just take I'll take someone as good as we think McLaurin is. But I'm I'm 100% with you that the risk factor here is you really have to rely on that guy to get you the ball. I, I liked the fact that against. Uh, Cleveland last year, last week, they recognized what a kind of day Haskins was having and it was not good. And he he kept turning the poor, that Washington defense actually still played well, even without Chase Young, but he, he turned it over four times, I think in his own territory. Um, but they recognized and just said, all right, McLaurin, now, now you're getting a screen. Now you're getting a little, a little three yard whip route. You know, you're, you're just, let's just get the ball in your hands. Cause he really is an incredibly gifted player, but you're so, I wonder where you have him ranked. I have him like 19-20, somewhere in there. But that's such a misleading rank because I think it's one of those where you go, if you're willing to shoot the moon, if you're really wanting to shoot for the big play, go ahead and use him. But if you're looking to play it safe, he probably belongs further down on the receiver list. Yeah,
1: I, I, and I don't have him that low right now. I think I've got him like 15 or 16. Uh, okay. But I feel like, like I looked – like I before I asked you the question, I, I looked at my rankings like, oh, that seems high. Now uh, mm. uh, I don't feel comfortable with that. So, but that's yeah. you know we why we're allowed to revise. It's okay, you know, it,
2: not <laughs> it, it's right? Like carved in stone. Yeah, but of course the reason you would put him that high is because you really like him as a player, and you're and you're hopeful that. Like it just takes a couple of times, just a couple of times. It's it's maybe even you can make the argument not going to be super down the field because there's a lot of things that has to go right with Haskins for that to happen. But just give me like a give me a a blitz at the wrong moment when you happen to have McLaurin hot and he's running a slant and there's nobody, nobody playing safety like and he's gone and you, it's all you needed. Right. And that's so built into what McLaurin is as a player in a way that it's not for Keenan Allen, that it's not for Cooper cup that it's not for julian edelman so i understand where you're coming from with that rank
1: right and you really don't want and if he's the type of guy that if you have him you want to start him you know you're, you're not really going to want to bench him it's i'm not at that point where I'm like okay i i i can't tell i'm telling you not to use him because of your quarterback i'm not there yet and for the reasons you say yeah. i'm just i can't get there yet so uh we'll see but I, I i'll probably get him closer to 20 by the end of the week but yeah and, and it's part because I think the Ravens do bounce back in in a big way here but uh we'll see uh last guy I wanted to bring up uh for at least a wide receiver uh is is the uh, is Preston Williams I really love the matchup against Seattle I think that you know all you have to do is look at the passing yards they've given up in three games so far this week uh this this season uh their DBs are very exploitable I'm a little non by Williams. Every time I watch him, like, he can make a big play, and then I look and see him make a, a bit of a dunce play, too. Uh, I, mm-hmm. just, I want to be able to say, yes, go start him. I love this matchup. Go with it. And I think we actually got a Twitter question about him. But then the more I watch him, I'm just kind of like, ah, just doesn't make everything. He's kind of cut out of the Chris Conley mode for me.
2: Yeah, it's not, not a terrible comparison. Uh, a lot of, you know, he, he didn't play much before he got hurt last year and he was, he was pretty impressive. I mean, he's just a really tall dude. Uh, he's not fast, but he's kind of open just by being standing there. Cause you can throw him a 50 50 ball. He's got a great chance to go get it. Um, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm not to the point where I'm going to upset the apple cart in my receiver starting habits mm-hmm. yet to 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 say uh, i'm absolutely positive Seattle's always giving up four hundred yards a game passing i I'm not positive that's the case it's It's been that way so far, but i don't really want my life depending on ryan fitzpatrick's tertiary weapon right i just it's not where I am in in life yeah. I' like my money too much i, I I've seen too many times where Ryan Fitzpatrick goes real bad and it, it was supposed to be a great matchup and he threw eight interceptions. Yes. I just, yes. I'm not saying it happens yes. this week. I don't know.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll probably just keep my powder dry with Preston Williams and it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, we need to get to a kind of soon. I think if we are not getting to a, within a matter of a month or so, and I'm the biggest Tua booster there is, my God, I'm so so completely in the tank. It's so disgusting. But if we don't get him in the next month, I go, Oh, I mean, is he damaged? Is, is that what really what this is? Is it there right. he's actually gonna have to wait a year? If we have to wait a year on Tua, I'm gonna be lower on him next year, I'll tell you that. Sure. Sure. Although it's so funny, it used to be that you could
1: and it wasn't even that long ago that you could have a developmental year. You know, a red shirt year, if yeah. you will. Uh, you know when, you know, just Pat, Patrick Mahomes would be the perfect example of that he, you know, he started the last game of the season. Now they also had a pretty capable capable quarterback in Alex Smith who had a pretty good year that year. But right. you
2: know now it's like yeah, you know, if you don't produce in your rookie year, you're already considered a bust. I don't even mind producing. I just want him to play because I assume they all have crap to get through. Mahomes didn't, but usually they do. You know, usually they have to get through what Burrow is going through, which is, you know, that he's making a lot of mistakes, but that's because he just needs time to adjust. I usually don't want rookie quarterbacks in fantasy for exactly that reason. The hype is always going to exceed what they're actually capable of right away. Deshaun Watson was an example before he got hurt. Like the numbers were pretty good, but I you know, he, he just wasn't ready. He wasn't ready to be a star. I just want, I would like Tua to get that out of the way this year. And then they're, they're build they're building an offense that what made me think of it is like Preston Williams probably isn't part of the ideal offense that Tua eventually r- will run. Preston Williams isn't really a Chan Gailey receiver. I'm not even sure Devonte Parker is a Chan Gailey receiver. Uh, th- you know, they want to go fast. They want to be quick. They want to have precise route running. Uh, run around super horizontal but to be horizontal like that what's the difference between Arizona last year and Arizona this year oh I don't know this guy named DeAndre Hopkins who's open in a phone booth who's open immediately because he's just incredibly precise Preston Williams would be the opposite of that
1: yeah that's true that is absolutely true um so yeah it's a good reason to kind of stay away I mean although we're talking. If you happen to be that team, maybe you're at the back of the first round. And you have Adams and Julio. You might be having to, you know, really scramble. Um, right then right. maybe he's your Huckleberry. Um, and he, yeah, because he has he is upside for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, so you had uh, your own podcast. You do, like you said, you do five a week, uh, and hmm. you did. Your, I think you did your uh, rankings with Pat uh, Doherty uh, you know, Roto, at Rotopat. Uh, what else do you have coming up this week?
2: Oh God, I don't know. Is it? If I do, I have to do it yet? Then I don't know. No, I uh, Thursdays are kind of a catch-all show on the podcast where I try to talk about some of the most likely flex candidates. We call it flexual healing, okay? Because we're silly. And uh, so there's going to be that. There's DraftKings preview. Uh, we'll talk about the Thursday night game beforehand and then after the fact on Friday and then cousin Josh will come on Friday and anybody who knows cousin Josh, you know, we're not sure what the topic's going to be, but I assume it's going to be, it'll involve players. He is wants to spit venom at, uh, and then, you know, Mondays and Tuesdays are film review. I spend the whole time. Just, I I watch every game and I'll talk about what I saw and then the wheel goes around. We do it again. Outstanding. And
1: it's always good to have a, you know, a guest like that, that can, Sometimes you just need someone to pull the string, let them talk, and that, that really works. <laughs> it really is helpful.
2: Uh, I think you just that. did it with me. I apologize. for <laughs> you were. That was like a subtle, like, hey, Harris, you talked a lot during the show. No, 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 no. <laughs> Trust me, that is always a good thing.
1: You can host enough podcasts. You, you can't generate all the content. It's good to have. It. It's
0: absolutely great to have that.
2: When I'm on the golf course, when, with you, when we're on the golf course, I'm I'm usually not like that. I'm usually just muttering under my breath.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, I suck. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Yeah,
2: I do. It's it's true though.
1: Except you, you were shooting. You shot in the '80s
2: last time you went out, right? I did. I shot in the '80s. I'm not good, but I I, I have the capacity to be good, and then I have the capacity to be so. I just described golf. <laughs> yeah, pretty much <laughs> I just described golf. Yes, yes yeah. you did. And we'll it's always we'll probably, see you out there next time. Yeah,
1: yeah, when you when you develop that capacity to be good, and then you're not, it's it's worse than being. Oh, I know I'm terrible, and anything any good yeah. shit is a bonus. It it yeah. actually hurts more than when you start to you don't play well. But that's yeah. my theory. I'm sticking with it. Agreed, um, Chris. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much for joining us today, uh, people. Please check out harrisfootball.com. Follow Chris on Twitter at harrisfootball watches, uh, videos on YouTube, on his YouTube channel. It's all fantastic stuff. Uh, and you do your annual every year as well. Uh, which is just a behemoth of work. Uh, can people oh, still done. get that?
2: Nope. Nope. It's done. The almanac it's, it's, it's closed. The shop is closed, but it is, it's a labor of love. It's fine. You know what I'm most impressed with this entire show. We've been talking for an hour now. You know what I'm most impressed with? What's that? One, not one time did you lord it over me that you finished first and I finished second in our poker tournament last night. Not once.
1: Yeah, blind squirrels and acorns, man. I I had been on a really <laughs> bad run, so I can't start bragging when I win one. I,
2: you know, it's a five. <laughs> you haven't played. A, uh, you you haven't played in a couple of weeks, and you played well and you won. And Thanks. you you. I bow before. I bow down before you. You, you took me out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I well like. Caught a couple of big hands at the right time and P P&L and wasn't playing. So that always helps too. <laughs> so great stuff. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, coming up tomorrow. Uh, we've got, uh, we've got John McKechnie and Mario Puig as they always are on Thursday. Please tune into that. Please, as always subscribe, rate and review. It does mean a lot to us. Please let me know where I, I say exactly too often and um too often. Let me know about that. Let us know about the content. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.
3: It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply.